This is episode 35 of The Urban Yogi with Rwando. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation, exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. How do you create your desired reality? That question has obsessed Rwando for as long as he can remember. From childhood into his early 20s, he struggled with severe anxiety. This problem led him to an ongoing adventure, an exploration into the psyche, instinct, and meaning of life. Today, he works with people to achieve their greatest potential. Using an array of tools and modalities, Rwando's obsession is to cultivate quality in his life and the lives of others. Some facts about Rwando. He is an accredited coach with multiple certifications. Not that that means anything, he says. He was raised by Buddhist physics professor and a Catholic math teacher. He was an atheist until he realized that the model of your reality is simply a tool to create what you want. He was a libido counselor on Psychology Today, where he had amazing success with his clients, uh, including treating people with psychogenic dysfunctions. He earned a second lieutenant commission with the U.S. Marine Corps just to see if he could. He is a certified orgasmic meditation instructor and tantra instructor in training under Charles Muir, and he has been featured in AskMen.com, The Elite Man Podcast, Psychology Today, Time Out New York, Elephant Journal, Better Humans, and Bad Witches. Today we discuss arousal control, orgasmic meditation, and much more. And we talk about his new course at sexualvitalitysecrets.com. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Rwando. You got your, um, what are they called? The red light glasses. Yeah, yeah. I have this thing. Like my eyes have been crazy the last few months, actually. Oh, it's really? Like blue light. I don't know what it is. Oh, maybe I should try that. Yeah, I've got sensitive eyes as well. And sometimes I find too much blue light gives me a headache yeah 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 so are you in arizona right now i am for the next month nice half-ish yeah cool and where do you reside normally uh i'm a, i have a place in thailand but i haven't been there in a year so it's hard for me to oh, say wow. I'm there. or i haven't been there in like eight months for a while so yeah cool and where did you where did you grow up in new york oh new york city mm-hmm. brooklyn Sweet. south oh, brooklyn wow wow yeah. I used to live just for two years in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was doing a musical theater school down there. It was fun. Awesome. Yeah. And now you're on the West Coast? Yeah, I live in Vancouver. Um, Here, I'll show you a review. I can flip this around. I don't know how to flip it, so I'm just going to do this. That's Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we got like a nice little park and... There's a lot of nature. The air is really fresh, which is sweet. I've lived in New York here and Japan, and the air is definitely freshest here. Nice. <laughs> in those places, yeah. That's a good review. Yeah. yeah, but I wanted to talk to you about your amazing program, Excalibur, and what you're doing with uh, teaching men how to harness and channel their sexual energy. Totally, um, yeah. I discovered you through the sexual kung fu guy, Mikey Mike, Mike White or something, his name is? Um. Mike, Michael White? No, uh, Jonathan White. Jonathan White. Yeah, yes. I, I was blanking too. No, Jonathan right. White. Yeah. Jonathan White. There you go. Yeah, so I, I heard him interview you, and I liked what you had to say. And um, what are the benefits of semen retention for the listeners? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing, and I, and I want to clarify that before I say anything, that I don't think not coming is the end-all, be-all. I think some people get a little extreme, so I just want to start yeah. by saying that before I go into the other side, which is that um, a lot of men uh, waste their energy, literally. And I don't mean even energy on an esoteric level. Like it takes calories. Uh, it takes a lot of your, your, your body's uh, ability to do things, energy, um, to produce semen, which is meant for creating a whole another life form. Like that's a huge endeavor. Right. Um, right. And when guys are coming on a regular basis, especially in the porn era, I think men are doing 
it more than ever, right? It's easier to get off than ever. It's more, we're more isolated now. Uh, the frequent coming drains people. And if you've been, if you've had access to porn or even not, I mean, if, if you've been uh, coming frequently since you've been, a- been able to come when you're 11, 12, 13 years old, your whole life, you won't realize how much is depleting you because that's just your normal, your usual. baseline is lower than perhaps how it's meant to be or how it could be. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fish to water. And if you just, if, if, if you at the least, uh, the lowest level, you just stop coming so frequently, a lot of people notice changes, which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the NoFap community, which I, I don't, I think there's a lot of benefits to it, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really involved in it. Uh, they, they, mm-hmm. they call it superpowers. I, w- I wouldn't call it superpowers. It's just coming back to your normal level of vibrancy and vitality and zest for life. And yeah, maybe attractiveness and sex drive. Um, but yeah, I mean, learning to control uh, or uh, not come so frequently at the very, at the lowest level um, has a lot of benefits in terms of vitality. Cool, man. What benefits have you seen in your life and how long have you been practicing? Uh, on and off for almost 10 years uh, before I was even sexually active or no, yeah, more than 10 years then. Like it's been like 13. Cause, um, cool. right when the museum of sex opened up in New York city, I was, uh, I think either right about to start college or maybe a year into college. And I was in there. Um, and I found the multi-orgasmic man by Montauk Chia. Love and, that book. uh, yeah, I started reading it. A lot of it didn't make sense to me because even feeling energy that, I mean, it was just at a higher level than I could really grasp. Right. Um, but I really played with the idea of not coming so frequently. So I went through phases on and off. I mean, even at that point, I you know had been watching porn and having a normal, uh, <laughs> normal schedule of ejaculation. I think at that age. Um, but only in the last few years um, have I really taken it seriously. I mean, about seven years ago, I started studying tantra and different. Um, mm esoteric sexual practices, um, all, almost all of them recommend not coming frequently, if not uh, doing some sort of actual practice. So um, I did study with Montauk Chia last year, and I found out that, okay, yeah, I, I do have a grasp on it. Um, so as far as like the actual uh, practices, intensely, I've only been practicing maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Montauk Chia, that's pretty awesome that you studied with him. I was Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to... Uh, Oh, yeah. get, Sorry. get it from the horse's get it from the horse's mouth get it from the source totally um, i like the idea like it's like bringing the uh you know coarse sexual energy up the spine refining it in the skull and then bringing it down like healing the organs and stuff like using sexual mm-hmm. energy to heal yourself yeah that's really cool to me that's something that western medicine has yet to tap on eh? yeah totally and um one thing that I think that he's missing and what actually I, so I met him, I, I took a, a small workshop with him just to see if I was missing anything. And I realized that I did, I did have a good grasp on it. I, I read all of his books by then. This was last cool. year. I read all of his books. I had done a lot. And I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm I know I'm doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, and uh, what I realized was that I probably could have grasped it sooner. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that cover. I haven't seen it in blue. No. Maybe that's the Canadian version. Yeah, which one's out of these two? Which one's better? Um, Are they both good? Honestly, they're very similar. He he comes back to the same stuff a lot. I don't remember awakened healing energy through Tao. Uh, Tao um, I just got them off of Amazon Prime. Yeah, uh, I've read this one. I like this one. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. mine so is uh, <laughs> the, spine, the spine is broken. It's like it's got notes in it. It's, uh, it's <laughs> one of my older possessions at this point there's semen all over it <laughs> <laughs> no not semen exactly there's not semen all over i didn't it. do that badly <laughs> yeah um yeah i think that's really cool what you're doing um can you t- talk about why a man would want to um learn to separate orgasm from ejaculation and and yeah, have you done um, that is that possible yeah yeah uh, so uh, i don't do that every time um but Based, I mean, it's simple. Like if, if you, if you understand how much, uh, see, like ejaculation will drain you, especially particularly frequent ejaculation, I do think it's healthy for men to come periodically. Uh, mm-hmm. so I want to tell people that cause some people try to go extremely, extremely long times without coming and going really long times without sexual arousal, I think is unhealthy too. Cause you kind of, if use it or lose it, like eventually right. your sex drive goes away. I don't think I have a friend who works at the yoga studio I teach at and I was, I think I was on like day 70 of semen retention, which is like, I've gone 76 days is the longest I've gone. 
Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to him about it. I was like, have you ever heard of this? He's like, oh yeah, like I've, it's been like 250 days since I last came. And I was like, well, do you like arouse yourself? Do you separate orgasm from ejaculation? He was just like, oh no, I just stopped thinking about it. And like, I just, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, I don't, I mean, that's might be fine for some people, but I like the idea of still being sexual. As you just said, it's kind of like yeah. a part of being a human. Yeah. And I, I, to I just to go on this tangent, because I think that's really important. I mean, that is partly why almost every religion's clergy avoids sex completely because they haven't figured out how to um, have pleasure and remain conscious. They see how destructive sexuality can be. So mm-hmm. priests, monks, they just cut it off. There's like, we're not, we're not going to go to the lower chakras period. We're just going to avoid it. And that's just going to how it's like, that's a safer way to yeah. play, but you miss out on a lot of, of the passions of life. I mean, other than that's what I found in a silent retreat, I went on, like they didn't, they didn't say what to do if you get horny or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Although a friend had just been to the, um, have you heard of Pema Chodron, the Buddhist mm-hmm. author? So he, he studied with her and she said, if you get aroused, don't egg it on, but don't suppress it. Just imagine it's like a beautiful hot ember, like in a stove and it's just radiating blissful energy to the world. Yeah. Healing energy. So I kind of like that. Approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great perspective. Um, yeah. So separating separating orgasm, uh, separating oh, yeah, orgasm exactly. from ejaculation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So if you could have the pleasure of orgasm without the, the negatives of ejaculation, I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. the answer, but uh, I tell guys like in my courses, like don't make it a goal because for many years I was like, okay, I need to come without uh, coming. I need to come Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that goal orientation puts you in your head and it, it just, it, it ruins the experience, especially if you do, try to do that with a partner, she's going to hate you for it or he's going to hate totally. you. For it, right? Totally. Um, so um, I tell guys, just focus on cultivating as much arousal as possible. Allow it to transmute. Uh, we can get into what that means. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and if you come, you come, but try to grow your container more and more every time. And, yes. and, and sometimes, and if you, if you do that, I mean, my experience, you keep doing that every so often I'll have a non-ejaculatory orgasm, but I don't force it. I don't try to make it happen. It just, it happens when it happens. And, and when if it you doesn't have happen, that, for the benefits. Yes. When you have that type of non-ejaculatory orgasm for you, is it like when I've been with women, when they orgasm, often they like will quiver, their whole bodies will quiver. And it's, it seems like it's very pleasurable to them. When I've done semen retention, had these non-ejaculatory orgasms for me it's been kind of like that like a almost like a quiver like your whole body starts to feel it you feel very like blissful and alive and vital is has that been your experience like it's not the same for me at all as a as a explosive ejaculation i've had it feels good but it's different kinds i've had like many ones in the same way like some guys will report like an ejaculation mm-hmm. doesn't feel that great but you did, something definitely did happen i've had non-ejaculatory orgasms like that it was like a mini orgasm and then oh i'm nothing actually came out and i'm still hard and and uh but I, then i've had ones that are closer to the times actually that i've had the most uh frequency of um non-ejaculatory orgasms is when i'm receiving from a woman and my my prostates are also being stimulated for me like i don't know if with a finger yeah so uh with a so like i'm in a completely surrendered state I'm being stimulated sexually and in the prostate. And some for me, at least, that's like that connection just sends it right up my body. And I've well, had like... Apparently, I had yeah. Christiane Northrup. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Christiane Northrup. Totally. But she was on the show yesterday, and she was saying mm-hmm. that both the G-spot and the um, prostate go like they, they're connected energetically up to the pineal gland. And when you mm-hmm. stimulate the prostate, it releases DMT in the pineal gland. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, about the DMT. But yeah, I've had the, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. I've had the trippiest experiences. <laughs> like, <laughs> like receiving it in those settings, like it always ends up feeling like a sacred experience because one, it's just like, how could you not feel grateful that someone wants to put love on your most sensitive spot? But also you have experiences like that where I, I always feel it right in the, in the upper parts of my body. I don't have to try to do anything. Um, mm, that's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I like the analogy that you use in your course of how to make the balloon bigger. Like the goal is to make your container bigger, your balloon Mm -hmm. bigger, uh, instead of just popping it. Can you share with the listeners some techniques for making your, uh, capacity to experience bliss and join your body bigger? Yeah. Um, so 
Uh, just to, you know, some people know we're talking about with the balloon. Like I, I imagine our capacity for sensation, like a balloon. And most people don't want to deal with the tension of like their, their container stretching. So they immediately try to pop it, which can sexually mean ejaculating or, mm. you know, just doing something, having an angry outburst, uh, so, mm. stuff like that, or numbing it by stuffing your face with sugar or watching too much Netflix, stuff like that. Um, but the, the option I recommend is like trying to expand it. And um, a lot of things, like a lot of the mindfulness techniques that put you in your body do the same thing. Um, learning to breathe, learning to notice gravity is, I think, the easiest thing. Like if you can't yes. feel your body, you can feel gravity. I mean, everyone yes. can feel gravity. Even if you're on Coke or something, you can still feel gravity <laughs> no matter how numb you are. Um, totally. Uh, and then making sure that your breathing um, keeps you in a parasympathetic state as opposed to like locking up and going into your head. Um, all these relaxation techniques. And uh, one thing that uh, I was at a men's conference, we spoke a lot about stepping into tension on an emotional level, uh, consciously doing things that you know may cause contraction because there's a lot of sensation there. There's a lot of feeling there. And like letting yourself consciously go there will encourage you to um, not retract or contract in the face of experience, which I mean, jumping to the non-sexual applications of arousal control, I think is the bigger thing. I mean, lasting longer in bed is great, but I think the bigger application is that you, you can be more of the man you want to be when life comes at you, you know, whether it's yes. in relationship or not. Um, but I, so you it, said stepping yeah. into tension, what do you mm -hmm. mean? Like stepping into situations that could trigger you and then practicing becoming trigger savvy? It could be triggering. It could be just uh, not even, I wouldn't even use the word trigger, like any sort of challenge, any time where you have to take responsibility for a situation, for a group leadership has lots of tension. Um, getting attention from people has a lot of tension. I think one, one experience we've all had is public speaking. There's a lot of sensation in public speaking because we can feel attention of other people. And that's why some people shake and some people, their voice gets weird and, and stuff. Um, so, and actually, so, so to, to finally answer your question, aside from moving arousal in your body to grow your balloon. Oh, so sorry, I'm jumping around, but a lot of guys come too soon because all of their attention is on their genitals during sex. So it's like their container is just their genitals, however big that is. And if you can move the arousal through your body, now at least your physical container is as big as your body. But you can and go even into your aura too, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can go even beyond your body, as, as you just mentioned. Um, and one way I find it's the simplest way to, to do that is through transmutation, which is just means changing from one form to another. So mm. sexual arousal always starts with sensation. That's the physical, concrete version of energy or feeling. The next level is emotion. So like going from your reptilian nervous system to your limbic nervous system, and you can do this as simply as smiling, right? If you can just like, or remembering the feeling of joy because pleasure and joy um, are the same thing, in my opinion, they're just different forms. Like one's the, the mm. physical version, one's the emotional version. And you can even take it to another level of inspiration, I'd say is all the same thing. So I recommend to guys all the time to learn how to smile when you're aroused. It, seems, it feels goofy. Right? It doesn't feel like better minds, but like that'll force you to expand. It's the same thing a public speaking coach would say if you're if you're nervous when you're on stage, if you smile, it just gives an outlet for all that nervous sensation into an emotion that feels good. So right. that's that's sex transmutation on a very like basic level. Huh. Yeah, because it's it always seems so esoteric to me. Like I read um Think and Grow Rich, and there's a chapter on sexual transmutation. It sounded like a great idea, but I didn't actually know how to do it. So that's a very simple way to do it. It's like smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it could be a lot deeper than that, of course, right? But yeah. essentially, and I don't know if you want to go onto, onto this uh, thread, but, you know, yeah, man. sexual Let's energy is transmutation. Awesome. I love this. So um, sexual energy, we usually think of just the sensation that I just mentioned, the arousal, the pleasure, the desire, the lust, like the discomfort, maybe blue balls, whatever sensations are attached to sexual energy. And then there's the, the transmutation he talks about in Think of Grow Rich of like inspiration, calling in divine, whatever you want to call it, like the head stuff and the, the, mm -hmm. the sex stuff, the head stuff and the will stuff. But in between is your heart, right? Like on your body, when we map, like whether you use the chakras or the dantian or even the brain, like there's a reptilian uh, nervous system, there's a limbic brain, and there's a neocortex. In between is that limbic brain. So in between sensation and thought is your emotions. So 
if your heart is closed, if you're unwilling to feel emotions, if your emotions are locked down or in a negative space, there is no way for pleasure to reach your higher uh, centers. Like it, it has to go through this heart first. So a big, uh, so this is the one thing I didn't get. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why no one speaks about this enough. I mean, I, I actually got this idea from like an old, old school alchemy book. And I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly the sex stuff, but you know, no one applies it there. So um, part of, part of that is like learning to open your heart and feel all the feelings you have, which might include past traumas and might include just your fears and stuff. And when you're open here and you're willing to let that pleasure turn into joy or other emotions, it's just like that, that it opens the, it's like the, it's the valve in between your sex and your, your mind, basically. I like that. That's cool. I have a friend who's a, a tantric healer and he says his job is to bring, you know, the, unite the genitals with the heart. I have a friend who's also a healer who says bring, to bring the mind down into the heart, let the mind serve the heart instead of other forces. Um, how often should we ejaculate? I don't know if there's a rule for that. I mean, Montauk Chia's books tend to usually have like a, a chart based on your age and frequency, but I think there's more, more factors than that. Uh, I tell guys, if you're not really horny without, I'm sorry. So the, the answer I say is listen to your body, but I mean, that's kind of a general statement. Um, I don't think you should be coming. Oh, listen to your body's my answer. I mean, I, I could break it down more than that, but that's How often do you ejaculate? It, it depends as well. So, um, I come at least once a month. I, I kind of time it with the moon cycle, kind of just for fun. <laughs> you know, that's I come fun. Oh, I want to do that. That sounds cool. Um, and I, I just noticed that if, when I go a lot longer than that, if I'm like uh, cultivating energy, if I go two months or three months and then I come, it tends to hurt. So I, I choose not to do, to, I don't choose mm-hmm. to go more than a month. Um, I might change that as I get older. I'm only 30. So, you know, I, I might. Uh, I do might... you come on the full moon? Uh, I do. I, I just want to be clear. Like, I don't know anything about moon magic. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> but I like the idea of it. And like, I howl at the moon and then come at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we do know, uh, the moon affects behavior, right? It, it does that, affect the brain. There's a lot um, of energy I find on full moon days. Yeah. And like, there's more car accidents, more conceptions, more murders. I mean, it does right. something to us, right? The moon. Um, yeah, yeah. So I just choose to come on the full moon. I actually learned that from a Tantra teacher uh, who I used to study with. Um, yeah, he, he tied it to manifestation. I don't as much. Uh, but if I'm with a lover and I really find myself wanting to come, I might come more frequently than that. But I try yeah. to come no more than every couple of days at most. Right. Um, and, I, and I, don't, I make sure not to come every time I'm in a sexual situation. At most, it's like 50% of the time. That's pretty high. Usually it's like one out of five, one out of 10, maybe. It depends. Do you, are you into the practice of like when you're being intimate with a female, bringing her yin energy into the body through the, the penis? Like I've read a little bit about that. Do you do that type of stuff where you like kind of take on some of the yin energy and then you give her some of your yang energy? Uh, last time I had a partner who was really into that stuff, like a long-term partner is into that stuff. We played with a lot of that. Um, it's been a couple of years though, since I've had a female partner who really wanted to, you know, break that Get down. That, so yeah. I haven't really. Hmm. Have you heard of Yab Yum? Yep. That's a position I, I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I did that mm-hmm. recently and it's, that's, I want to get into that more. That's it was really cool. Like bringing, being with a partner and both bringing the energy up the spine and then back down and then holding it, like doing that like 10 times and like holding it and like having like this kind of orgasmic state together. Yeah. Really something cool. I do play with a lot is similar. Sometimes I tie it actually with the Yabion position is playing with the microcosmic orbit through her body and her cool. she playing with it through my body. So it might even be, I think it's on the cover of one of the books that you, you showed me, like where mm. men and a woman are together and like it's going through them. Is that it? Uh, not that exactly, but like where exactly, they're, yeah. they're in, uh, in coitus and yeah, not in this thing. one, but with really sensitive, like energetically attuned women, I found that they can feel it. Uh, not everyone cool. can, I think it does have an effect, but I don't, I don't do it all the time. Cool. Um, for men who are, who are being intimate with men, in my experience, I found that if I 
do too much same gender stuff. And this is going to sound kind of homophobic to some people, but it's, it's not meant to be homophobic. It's just my experience. It's almost like I need to like earth after and like eat really yin foods to like balance it out. I don't know, like, I don't know what your orientation is, but I found yeah. it's two men. Sometimes I need to kind of yin it out a bit to balance out the intensity of all the yang energy. Yeah. I mean, I've experimented with same sex stuff. I found that, uh, actually exactly the same thing. Like it, it feels like, like two of the same pole and it, it just, I feel unbalanced afterwards. I honestly have never really found it pleasurable. I was kind of just trying to push edges and, and that might've affected yeah. my experience as well. But, um, and some, some men are more young than others. Like if I'm with a dude who's less young, then it seems to work better if I'm really in my masculine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like spectrum wise, some, some dudes are more like I even, I was dating a guy when I was with him, I was like, I feel like, I feel like I'm kind of with like a woman. He's like, Oh, it's funny. You picked up on that. Cause he had an extra chromosome. Hmm. So he was somewhere in the middle. He had XXY. So hmm. male is XY, female is XX. So he was mm-hmm. XXY. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's just interesting. Like within males, within females, there's some really butch females and some really feminine guys. And it kind of just depends, but but yeah, so you've noticed that too. When you met him, that he he was very feminine, or it only came out. Uh, uh, the the guy with the XXY um, mm-hmm. was it apparent or like? Uh, oh, um, that only come out when you're intimate, or you only felt that feminineness when you're intimate. Looking back, it was more apparent than when I was in the moment, because uh, he had like a really thick beard. Hmm. Like he had, he was very in touch with his masculine side. But apparently, um, the doctors gave him hormones when he was young. Hmm. So, because they didn't want him to be- develop breasts, so he didn't develop breasts. But he developed like a huge dick, like the hmm. biggest dick I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. So he was assisted hormonally by the medical industry. Hmm. Yeah, and I, apparently, there's a, a, a movement to to stop that and to let kids grow naturally and then decide what they want to be yeah when they're older i think that's healthier to, yeah it makes sense to me and like mm-hmm. pump these children full of hormones yeah when they're just developing it's like oh, i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah don't mess with nature don't mess with nature exactly but um can we talk a little bit more about transmutation mm-hmm. and like say like somebody is addicted to porn like I've got a friend who's who's recovering from porn addiction. And like when he's feels that pull to like ejaculate yet again for like the sixth time in a day, he said what he's been doing lately is he'll like force himself to make art or like take pictures or like just do something creative. Would you say that transmutation is kind of like that? Like initially it's a little bit hard and you have to kind of break the habit, like these addictive tenants. If you're trying to get out of addiction, yeah, yeah. And I, I speak about compulsive behavior a little bit um, in the free course um, because it is, uh, and unwi- I don't want to say, I don't want to put judgment on it uh, and say, but like an unwillingness on a subconscious level to feel the, the sensation. So it has to like exit. And if you, ha- if you found an outlet, uh, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not an addiction expert, but I, a lot of people say like, it's not that you're attached to the substance or the activity. It's that there's something, you know, you found that that's a coping mechanism for something else. So we don't have to get into that, but like, mm. um, you being willing to feel the, the thing that you're relieving with the compulsion is important. And then also, I mean, and he, what you just mentioned, I think is important and it's uh, what the NoFap community, in my opinion, misses out on, which is finding something to do with it, right? Like, I like the NoFap method uh, message, and it's really important for guys who are addicted to porn to hear that. But I, I've been on some of these forums, and they're like, they're, all they're talking about is how important it is to never watch porn again. And, and they talk about, okay, then, oh, I relapsed after 300 days, and this and that. It's like, no, you, you jerked off once. It's okay. Move on with your life. Like do something with it. Like don't make your singular goal in life to not watch porn. Like make it to do something. The whole reason why you're not watching porn is to do something beautiful with your life. And so what you what you said your friend does, I think is, is the right way. And I do think as any habit, it gets easier over time. Uh, porn is particularly rewarding to certain parts of our brain. Uh, mm. So it's, it's a particularly hard habit to drop. Because uh, you know it gives us uh, certain types of validation that we want to get emotionally. Like one thing I've no- the 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 best way I've found that 
guys can stop watching porn without having to force themselves are deeply connecting experiences. So not sexual necessarily, mm-hmm. but like, so like the first uh, sexual practices that I, first sexual practice I really dove into is orgasmic meditation, which is typically a man stroking a woman's clitoris. Oming, right? Yeah, oming, yeah. Um, I had zero urge to masturbate after I started oming within like days. I had zero urge, like the idea of watching porn seemed ridiculous. And I found this is true of like many, many guys, guys who are full-blown porn addicts and men aren't being stimulated. But when men are doing it, they get an experience of connection and sympathetic arousal, which is, the, is what they're chasing when they watch porn. Because if you think about jerking up to porn, it's not that sensational, right? Like if, you have, if you're a guy, you have rough hands, like it's not, it doesn't feel that good. No. What feels good is watching a woman or whatever you're watching, watching people orgasm because the male brain likes to experience sympathetic arousal. It gives us more than just the pleasure. It's like, oh, I'm giving a person pleasure. I must be doing man right right i must be doing my like my my uh my role in 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 the in the circle of life correctly yeah right right so it gives us this false reward but if you if you get that reward somewhere else if you can really um get that oxytocin release and deep connection with someone or experience uh actually giving pleasure to someone so that they achieve orgasm or something like that it 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 gives that uh, it kind of satisfies that urge so I actually recommend that practice or, or Tantra type practices to anyone with porn addiction. I found it just drops away because you're getting nourishment from a real, from real calories instead of empty calories. Right. Right. What are you, what's your take on polyamory? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I've been, I've been in non-monogamous situations almost my entire adult life and I've enjoyed it <laughs> recently, like in the last year or so, or maybe two years, I've been considering how, um, I might have like a avoidant attachment behavior. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, attachment theory, and uh, and I've I have been noticing that a lot of people in polyamorous communities are kind of avoiding are using it to avoid like real deep intimacy. So if you asked me a few years ago, I'd be, I would have said it's the best way. It's like the more natural way. We all should be like in non-monogamous situations. Let's all communicate about it and follow our desires. But honestly, in the last two years, I've been. Um, looking at it again. So I'm not really sure. I think uh, traditional monogamy is not the only way to do things. Certainly people should open their minds to that. But I do think there's a lot of virtues of pair bonding and having, um, and and commitment more than monogamy. I think commitment is really important for people. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's cool. I'm starting to realize that too. Um, We were talking about that on the podcast yesterday with Dr. Northrup and she was saying, it's kind of like um, when you got muffins in the oven, and then you just keep opening it to check and then you the muffins never fully develop properly. <laughs> um, what about homophobia? I ask most of my guests this, where do you think homophobia originated? Like, cause it hasn't always been around. Like right now I'm on first nations land on ceded territory. They had up to five genders in many of their tribes hmm. in the research I've done. And often the so-called queer ones were the shamans. Hmm. And then like, if, if you think about like ancient Greece, the norm was apparently bisexuality. So men would invariably have wives, but they'd also have sex with their battle people, people who they battled with because they believed it would bond them more. So they protect yeah. each and other. And their students. And their, and their students, yeah. And the, the yeah. Uh, mentor-mentee relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so homophobia hasn't always existed in the way that we see it now in Western society. Where do you think it came from? Yeah, well... well this is just uh, theorizing out loud, but uh, going backwards, um, we're afraid of anything that's unusual. So then, then the next question is like, why is uh, homosexuality unusual as a norm in our society? I mean, it's becoming less so, but that's how it's been for centuries. Um, uh, And that I think goes back to why kind of related to your last question, why monogamy and like uh, the suppression of sexuality is such a norm and that, I think, goes back to it, it, industry, but also uh, post-agricultural society where uh, it's more people start hoarding wealth and therefore hoarding sex. And, and um, pair bonding became a, like a survival strategy almost. Uh, so I don't know. If, have you read Sex at Dawn? I've read parts of it. It seems good. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, just like a very, very broad stroke uh, explanation. Like the idea is like when we moved out of being nomadic or semi-nomadic into agricultural societies, um, people for the first time had uh, an incentive to hoard their food. Before then, you shared everything because why would you hoard food? Everyone's your family. Uh, and then, then we had private property hoarding food, which led to hoarding sexuality, which uh, it's like the birth of the patriarchy, if, if you use that terminology, where men typically hoarded female sexuality because it, was, it wasn't uh, when female sexuality is out, uh, it's harder to control a society and like uh, structure tends to break down. Um, so uh, that I think that becoming the norm led to homosexuality, uh, homophobia, because, you know, people having same sex arrangements also isn't good for that order. Right goes against sort of the order of the way things have been for, for a while now in our culture. Sure. Yeah. Tell me more about the course and how can people sign up for it? Uh, yeah. So um, I, I'm keeping it open for now. I think I'm going to keep it open for a while because a lot of people over the last six months have been asking about it and like, Oh, I mean, I'm just going to leave it open. It's at sexual vitality, sexual vitality secrets.com. Um, it's a four part free course Uh, And I go through uh, reasons why exercises you can start. And one thing I really focused on was, I was about to say this earlier, um, one thing I think is missing, uh, like in Montauk Shia's work and a lot of the other work I studied are like the more basics of like demystifying stuff. Like sex transmutation is so mystical the way it's explained. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you Google it, you have all these like things that are so vague. It's like, it's not that it's false. It's just like, how do you do it? Right. I mean, yes. Somebody needs to tell people you just need to smile. I mean, that's at least the the elementary (laughs) side of it. Get aroused and smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like a lot of guys, like I was confused when I read the multi-orgasmic man, like, what do you mean move energy from my cock into my spine? Like, I can barely, like, what does that mean? So in the course, I really tried to focus on, like, okay, here's what it means to feel energy. This is what it means. And then here's how to move it. And if you're not feeling it, if you you can't move it, here's something you can do that'll help you learn how to feel and move arousal. And um, I tried to use- Can we go into that a bit? Sorry? Can we go into that a bit? If people don't feel it and they're trying to move it from their cock into their spine, what? what Yeah, yeah. So again, it's very simple. Like, um, start with a sensation you do feel. So- if you've gotten yourself to an aroused state, I assume you feel sensation in your genitals, right? We can mm. assume that's the case. Um, so what I would say to them is attach a visual color in your, your, in your mind's eye, your favorite color, golden light, whatever, to the sensation that you do feel. And then do your best to imagine that sensation and the color moving into your body. So start with what you can feel. Mm. Um, and then when it start, starts to drop off where you can't really feel sensation anymore, then let the color continue. And you keep practicing this. And over time, if you attach the sensation to the color, the sensation will kind of follow. And all you're doing is learning how to feel different parts of your body. But you'll be surprised, like within a few practices, you'll be like, oh, wow, I can feel sensation all the way up to my middle spine. Okay, it drops off around my neck. You keep doing that over and over again. And um, down to the lower level, uh, I try to, I mean, knowing your, your anatomy helps because a lot of guys don't realize their cock goes into their body a few inches. So if you can feel the outer part of your cock, which is what everyone focuses on, it's not that hard to feel the inner, internal part. Like if you have an erection, you reach behind your balls, you'll feel the erection behind your balls too. So learning how to feel the whole shaft is a great start. And then you have to only get past your anus and then you have to get up to your tailbone. And I break this down further in the course, but like it's not that complicated. Just no one, no one breaks it down to the elementary level. So that's what yeah. really inspired me to make it. Well, it sounds like you, you actually have your own practice. And so you're able to guide people because you, you feel, you felt it and you feel it in your own body. And that's usually what makes the best teacher is if you have a regular practice of your own. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of built this course because like, I wanted to really codify and like give myself a structure for practice. That's awesome. And, um, and then exactly what I mentioned is where I was stuck for years. Like, how do I do this? So I was like, okay, I figured it out. I better tell people about it because yeah. I'm sure people are confused. Oh, people are so confused and people are so disconnected from their bodies. And it's all just about like porn and people have no idea how good they can feel. So I think what you're doing is awesome for yourself you. and for the world. Appreciate yeah. that. What other parts of Excalibur are um, juicy? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so uh, the the backbone of the course is the learning how to move the energy through your entire body. Um, but I every week it's a six. Um, the the advanced course is after sexual vitality secrets. It's a six week course, and every week I I try to kind of mo- metaphorically uh, attach an application to life to what we practice physically. So, you know, there's a there's a I think week three or week four, we focus on the spine and opening up the spine. But then I, I liken it to learning how to step into tension, having a backbone in life. And like, there's all these different applications every week. You know, when we get around the throat, I'm talking about your communication, you know, liking it to the chakras because, you know, a lot of our uh, physical expression is related to our emotional, mental expression in life. So that is is a big part of the course as well, because just as I keep mentioning, like just being able to last forever in bed is not, uh, you know, that's great, <laughs> but there's more to that in life. It's more to the semen retention than just not coming. It's about, you know, putting your expression into the world and being a vital human being. Yeah. And sort of like stoking or fueling everything you do with sexual energy if you want to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and we even go into, you know, a lot of guys get into this uh, world because they want to be better at dating or they want to get over anxiety with meeting partners and stuff. And there's huge applications to that too. I mean, it's impossible to be anxious when you're aroused, right? Like those two things can't happen at the same time. Uh, so uh, if you can learn how to cultivate arousal, your anxiety drops. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. What foods do you recommend to eat for people who want to have a healthy sex drive and be able to have a big energetic container? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is all Googleable stuff because I think nutrition is kind of like the new religion. Like everyone has theories and a lot of them contradict right. each other and people get really angry. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, so I don't, I don't prescribe anything, but uh, we do know uh, zinc, uh, magnesium, these are things that are important for testosterone production. Um, I, I really focus more on the behavior side, making sure you're not in a state of anxiety, because we know that uh, cortisol and testosterone come from the same precursor, uh, DHEA. So if you're experiencing stress all the time, you're using your raw material for testosterone into the stress hormone to fight inflammation. Um, but to answer your question, I, I mean, eating whole foods, natural foods, avoiding the white stuff, you know, sugars and starches. I mean, everyone agrees that's not good for you. Anything uh, chemically is not good for you. And I, and the one thing I do recommend in the course is um, to really pay attention to your poops because everyone's body is different. And a lot of the nutritional information is based on certain genotypes. Like, like pale, I used to follow, I used to eat paleo for a while. And then I realized a lot of the a lot of the literature on paleo is based on people of European descent, even the stories of like, Oh yeah, this is how, this is why you need to eat so much meat because our ancestors were in like the cold mountains. I was like, wait, my ancestors weren't in there. My ancestors have been eating fruit all year long for, the, for millennia. Right. So What's it's important to know uh, Sri Lankan and Filipino. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and uh, so it's important to know your body. I mean, it's, I mean, with the nutrition and, uh, the easiest observable metric is the quality of your poop. Like if you eat stuff that doesn't agree with your body, you'll see it in your stool, right? I mean, we all know what a great poop feels like, you know, it's like, you know, ghost wipe, whatever. Uh, and <laughs> you can look at what you ate that day. And like, I, I, I've, I've modified my diet based on what allows me to have good poops. Essentially. <laughs> I think awesome. that's, uh, that that's like great proof way, yeah. your digestive systems working well. Yeah. Proof is in the poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done Kundalini yoga at all? I've done some, not a ton. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Uh, I enjoy it. I think it follows a lot of the principles of bringing energy upwards. Mm. Yeah. I, I took the teacher training recently. I've been teaching half yoga for a while and I like it, but sometimes I find they focus too much on bringing it up and not back down again. Yeah, that, that's one of the criticisms uh, Mantachia has of, uh, he calls it Kundalini syndrome. And I have experienced that with sexual energy in particular, like you bring a lot of arousal to your head, you don't bring it down, you get a headache. And I, I got a lot of headaches <laughs> in sexual experiences. So um, like through my course, I don't even tell people to bring it up to their head in the in the first week, I, but I always uh, have- Where do you them tell them to bring it? Um, well, every week we, we do a- we do yeah. So like on week one, you're kind of just learning to cycle it through your, your gut essentially. 
cool. and then we move up. And then I think on by week four, I teach people how to bring it to their crown. And then nice. uh, weeks five and six is through your limbs. Oh, through the limbs. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So you'd be, what would you do? Like squeeze the energy up and then through the arms kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, after you've uh, done the microcosmic orbit um, from the back of your heart, I, I have them guide it through uh, their arms, kind of like in a tie. It's all through uh, Qigong. So like one thing with my course is that I wanted to really make it practice focused over information focused. So there is information, obviously, but the, the highlight of the course is um, a Qigong sequence. It's a six-part sequence that I have people practice each week. So by the time they get to week four, they've already gotten used to grounding from like nice. – from all, the, all their chakras essentially. And like, uh, by the time they get to the head, it's very easy to bring it back down uh, and awesome. through the limbs and stuff. Yeah. Sweet, man. And then, uh, what are some hot tips for bringing it down for bringing the energy back down? Cause I'm good at bringing it up my spine, but like you just said, sometimes I'll get the Kundalini syndrome, whether it's like in a Yabyung practice or in Kundalini yoga, how would you, what would you, what advice would you give? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the same, uh, mechanism or the same procedures bringing it up i think if if it's gotten to the point where you have too much heat in your head you probably let it let too much go up which is why i have people practice down before they get even up to the head um but the same procedure at one place where i think people get trapped is and Monta chia talks about in all his books is from uh the your the roof of your mouth uh to your tongue making sure that connection's there because if you're not making that connection there's no physical way for, you know, it's, it's a harder, uh, it's a bigger chasm to get, get across. Swallowing helps if you find that, like, I feel it like it's like right in my sinuses, but it won't go down. Swallowing helps it go down. And it's the Mm. same exact, uh, you know, visualization. If you stop feeling around here, let the color come down. Eventually the sensation will come down too. It's a lot easier to practice when you don't have a headache though. So it's, uh, I think better to, practice the down part before you go all the way there. Yeah. Like bring it up to like the navel point, then bring it back down. You mean? Yeah. So starting right away, going all the way up to the crown of the head. Yeah. Cause in the training, it was just like, focus on your third eye, focus hard on your third eye, bring the energy up, up, up. I'm like, whoa, you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so intense. And I asked one of the teachers, I was like, do you ever bring the energy back down? And she's like, she was this Russian lady. She's like, Oh no, bring it out the crown into infinity. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, whoa, namaste. Um, do, do, you, um, do you do testicle breathing at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Like uh, aroused? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's all the same thing. I practice the microcosmic orbit when I'm not aroused too. Um, now that I've been practicing a while, it's pretty easy for me to feel. Like Even like a, a few days ago, I had a, a bad fever and I was using the same principles to try to just move the, the crunchy, stuck heaviness in my body. Uh, and it made me feel a lot better. And actually, uh, when I was in the airport, uh, it's when my fever started to hit me and I was starting to feel a lot of heat in my head. And mm-hmm. I did exactly what, I, what we just talked about to bring like it the back. color visualization and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a very, oh. it was like a flash headache and it's hard, harder, but I did the same thing. Yeah. I, I imagined swallowing. Red, um, yeah. And do you touch just the tip of your tongue pretty much behind the teeth or do you, some people uh, roll the tongue back? Now I, uh, so I, I do a, lot, a few things differently than Montauk Chia, but, um, I actually press my entire tongue to the roof of my mouth. The uh, underside of it or the top of it? Uh, sorry. Of what? Oh, oh, the, the top. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. Like just oh. like uh, sucking your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Um, oh, okay. there's a, there's a, a group in Britain uh, that says this is actually the healthiest way for your, uh, entire jaw to have your tongue on the roof of your mouth. It, it makes breathing easier. Uh, also, it, it's like uh, people with sleep apnea, they try to train them to just do that all the time. Uh, so oh, that I used to have that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know I don't, I don't know the research intimately on that, but I found it's like comfortable <laughs> for my, my body and I can really feel everything easily. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and people can work one-on-one with you as well, eh? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, awesome. um, yeah. People can reach out on my website, rwando.com. Rwando, R-U-W-A-N-D-O. Yep. Dot com. Tell me the name of your, the, the meaning of your name. Does it have uh, well, Rwan is my name. Rwando is, um, was my Twitter handle a long time ago. Oh. 
And then I realized people don't remember my last name or it's kind of hard for some people. So I just made that my, my, my moniker. Yeah, it's easier to remember, I think. But uh, yeah, my name is uh, Singhalese. Uh, it's from Sri Lanka. It means gold. Oh, that's a nice meaning. Cool, man. Yeah, is there thanks. anything else that you want to talk about or, or mention? Um, yeah, I think cultivating energy is a, a longer, there's no quick fix technique. And I think with a lot of mindfulness stuff, like there's a million bazillion techniques, um, like Montag Chia's books have a bazillion techniques. There's actually more, t- even in the, in the week that I was studying at his place, uh, he was saying a new technique every day. I was like, when do you have time to practice all these things? So I would tell people pick something. It doesn't, I mean, if sexuality is what you're focusing on, you can do the stuff we spoke about or anything and just like, let the practice teach you over time because, um, anything with retraining you to, to have a sustainable gain over time, uh, you know, it's just going to take, it's going to take time. So, uh, consistency, I mean, it's just like anything, just like yoga or working out or learning a skill. Mm -hmm. Have you, um, do you ever practice like root lock? Like in yoga, they often say like in Kundalini, they say squeeze the anus sex organ, navel point to bring the energy up. And then some teachers are saying, Oh yeah. Like if you're a good Kundalini yogi, you kind of keep your, rectum sex organ and navel point engaged all the time throughout the day does that is that a thing um that might be too much tension yeah i actually have found that many men in particular clench their butt too much so part Mm -hmm. of of what i teach is to remind guys to relax their ass actually so yeah a lot of people uh, clench their anus in response to discomfort Um, yes we so, just had um, this breath worker on, on the show and he was talking about how like he agrees with you. It's like, teach yourself to relax those areas mm-hmm. and then breathe down into them because there's glands down there. And when you breathe consciously and connectedly to them, you activate those glands and it can change your brain chemistry for the better, your blood chemistry and your brain chemistry. Yeah, yeah, I believe in the relaxation. Um, I do like to exercise those muscles and I also believe in the other locks, the throat lock and, uh, and the mm-hmm. diaphragmatic lock. I, I actually enjoy it a lot and I... I demo that in the course as well. There's like a yoga program and Qigong program in the course. Um, people seem to like the Qigong a lot more. I think uh, it, was, it was more directly related to the arousal movement. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's important. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Those are all my questions. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me in. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Rwando please do head over to sexualvitalitysecrets.com. Check it out. It's a free program. It's life-changing, especially if you have any proclivities to be addicted to porn. But really, it's just for any dude who wants to learn how to just have a bit more control and empowerment around his sexuality. Thank you for joining us this week on the Urban Yogi Podcast. Please make sure to visit my website, willblunderfield.ca, where you can check out my music and you can subscribe to this podcast. It's also available with uh, particular episodes on YouTube. This episode with Rwanda, as well as last week's episode with Dr. Christiane Northrup, is on my channel, youtube.com slash willblundie, W-I-L-L-B-L-U-N-D-I-E. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out my music, which is featured throughout the podcast at iTunes.com slash Will Blunderfield. I'm available for private coaching and voice and yoga. I teach uh, throughout the week in Vancouver, and my full schedule is at willblunderfield.ca. Hope you have a beautiful week and a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and a beautiful winter solstice. See you next week on the Urban Yogi Podcast.
beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? Playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will feel insecure around you. You're all meant to shine as children do. You're born to make not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. May the long time sunshine 